<sighs> okay, here we go. As obviously fraught as social media can be, it can also be surprisingly influential to your physical health. And we all know that hashtag goals or hashtag blessed can boost likes on our social networks, both digital and analog. But a few years ago, researchers linked this same phenomenon to fitness. And that's what we're getting into in this episode. My name is Brock Armstrong. Welcome to Second Wind Fitness. But before we get started. As you've probably noticed, this podcast is no longer in production, but there are so many people who are still listening to each episode and reaching out to me for advice and help and support that I've decided to keep the dream and this podcast alive, which means I'm paying a few maintenance fees out of my pocket. And I don't mean to make this sound like a woe is me kind of affair, because it is indeed a pleasure to have created something that is being appreciated. But... If you felt so inclined, you could go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee to, yes, as it sounds, buy me a virtual coffee. And since coffee is easily my biggest device, I'm what you would call a coffee snob, if you buy me a coffee, I can pay my hosting fees with all the coffee money that I save. So win-win situation here. So go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee and help keep this podcast and my fancy coffee habit alive. That's brockarmstrong.com slash coffee. Let me ask you this. Do you want to be happier? Well, silly question, right? Of course you do. Who doesn't? Well, perhaps you should try to surround yourself with happy friends. And easy enough, eh? Well, according to a study that was published back in 2008 in the British Medical Journal, happiness can go viral within your social network, just like a good Keanu Reeves meme or a cute otter video. The study was called Dynamic Spread of Happiness in a Large Social Network, a Longitudinal Analysis Over 20 Years. Catchy titles, always. Well, in that study, the researchers concluded, and I quote, people's happiness depends on the happiness of others with whom they are connected. This provides further justification for seeing happiness, like health, as a collective phenomenon. Now, in a similar way, if your friends are overweight, that can apparently have an effect on you as well. In a study called The Spread of Obesity in a Large Social Network Over 32 Years, it was concluded that, and again, I quote, network phenomena appear to be relevant to the biologic and behavioral trait of obesity, and obesity appears to spread through social ties. Now, okay, if you find that interesting, intriguing, or maybe a little bit terrifying, now researchers have identified that exercise can also be contagious and spread via social media. Let's take a closer look. So, in a paper called Exercise Contagion in a Global Social Network, published in Nature Communications, researchers say... We show that exercise is socially contagious and that its contagiousness varies with the relative activity of and gender relationships between friends. Now, I've been using the word contagious a lot, and now we're talking about things spreading virally. I'm starting to get uncomfortable here, but it is 2022, so um, yeah, we'll just 
press on. Well, anyway, to come to this conclusion that I just stated, the researchers looked at the running habits of about 1.1 million runners around the world who used a variety of fitness trackers for five years. The runners collectively had about 3.4 million social network ties, of which the researchers analyzed 2.1 million users for whom they could target specific geographic and weather information. So over that five years, these social media runners ran a total of 350 million kilometers, and all this running was automatically posted online for their friends to see and presumably critique and comment on and um, be either really nice and encouraging or maybe a little bit rude, depending on the friend. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment because I want to point out that the fact that the data was automatically posted is a really important factor. Automatically posting it reduces the inherent issues that come along with something called self-reporting. And that's not just for exercise data, but anything that you want to do in a study thoroughly, there are a lot of problems with self-reporting data, including something called honesty management. Now, researchers who use self-reporting questionnaires are obviously relying on the honesty of their participants. There's also a problem with introspective ability where even if a participant is trying to be honest, they may lack the introspective ability to provide an accurate response to the question. And then there's just simple understanding. Participants may all vary in their understanding or their interpretation of the particular questions being asked. There's also a problem with rating scales. Now, many questionnaires use rating scales to allow their respondents to provide more nuanced responses than just yes or no, and those are hard to interpret sometimes. Then there's also a problem of response bias. Now, the individual's tendency to respond a certain way regardless of the actual evidence that they're assessing. We're all biased. We can't really help it. That's just being human. And finally, there is the problem of control of sample. Now, this has become more of an issue with the boom of online questionnaires and online distribution sites like SurveyMonkey and the like. So when the researchers looked at the automatically uploaded run data that isn't self-reported, and then they looked at the weather patterns of the cities the runners lived in, they used this information to examine different parts of the network, letting the weather, which is kind of interesting, set up their experiment for them, acting on the assumption that nice weather is more likely to make people run. And you know what? They found some pretty cool correlations. Let's say that it's a nice day where you live. Then you and your friends are likely to go out on a run. If it's crappy outside where I live, I and my friends will find excuses to skip our jog. Now, since all the cities have quite different weather at any given point in the year, as I said, this experiment was able to determine whether the weather here was able to cause changes in the running behavior somewhere else. Now, if it does, this can really only be happening due to the peer-to-peer -peer influences of friends who live somewhere between where I live and where they live. And that is exactly what the researchers observed one city's running could have a direct effect on another city's runners if the cities were socially connected. Now, the paper states that, and I quote, 
we found strong evidence of the possibility of social contagion in running behaviors. So I won't continue to quote, but here it is in a nutshell. This is what they saw. On the same day, an additional kilometer that is run by your friend influences you to run an additional 0.3 kilometers, or speeding up your own run an extra kilometer per minute pushes your friends to run an additional 0.3 kilometers per minute faster than usual. Or, if your friends run 10 minutes longer than usual, you may be inclined to run about 3 minutes longer. And finally, if you burn an extra 10 calories, then your friends will wind up burning 3.5 more calories if you're into counting stuff like that, as you know I'm not. But anyway, it was part of the paper, so I thought I'd mention it. Now, I have a lot more to say about this study, but first we have to pay our membership fees. Do you like to shop on Amazon.com and enjoy supporting this podcast? You do? Well, have I got a deal for you. If you start your Amazon shopping adventure by going to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon, I will get a small percentage of the money that you spend. And the best part is that you don't pay anything extra. This all comes out of their pockets. Take that, Bezos. So next time you buy anything on Amazon, go to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon and shop while also supporting this podcast. I truly thank you for being a listener and for your support. That's brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon. So if we look a little closer at the data, some even more interesting trends come into play. In general, runners are more influenced by their peers whose performance is slightly worse, but not that much worse than their own. Also, the runners were influenced more by peers who perform slightly better, but not significantly better, than they do. So other runners that we think are our closest peers, particularly those who we consider slightly inferior, are the most likely to get us to, well, dig deeper, go farther, run harder, all that stuff. And you know what? This makes sense when you think about it. Most of us don't like to compare ourselves with pros because, well, we don't want to continually feel like failures. It's plain and simple. But at the same time, we may feel like jerks if we are constantly comparing ourselves to people who are just starting out on their fitness journey or clearly don't have what it takes yet. The study also found that less active runners influence the more active runners more significantly than the more active runners influence the less active runners, which I guess could suggest that we are all looking for a reason to take the day off. And if our social network is made up of people who generally bail at the first sign of rain or wind or snow, that could bring us down as well. And this brings up something that the researchers call competitive comparisons. Now, a debate exists about whether we make upward comparisons to those performing better than ourselves or downward comparisons to those performing worse than ourselves. Comparisons to those ahead or above us can motivate our own self-improvement, while comparisons to those behind us may create a competitive behavior to protect one's superiority. Now, this study's findings indicate support for both arguments, but the researchers say that the effects are much larger for downward comparisons than they are for the upward comparisons. So, <laughs> as much of a bummer as this may be, it appears to be working in our favor. 
Now, before we get into what we can do with this information, I think another point of interest that I need to highlight is that gender plays a major role in who gives and receives influence. Same-sex influence is strong, while influence among mixed-sex is statistically weaker. For instance, men strongly influence other men, but not women, while women moderately influence both men and women. Now, the researchers suggest that this may be due to gender differences around exercise and competition. Men actually report receiving and being more influenced by social support in their decision to adopt exercise behaviors, while women report being more motivated by self-regulation and individual planning. Now, also, there is that old, well, I hate to say it, but macho thing where men tend to be more competitive and specifically more competitive with each other, but... I don't like to do that sort of gender stereotyping thing because we know that gender is, well, a lot more complex and a lot more interesting than we once thought. So I'll just leave it at that. So, okay, this all sounds like fun, Brock. It's all interesting and all that, but what can we do with this info? Well, we should probably start thinking about ourselves and our social networks being more intertwined than we currently do. We apparently are influenced by and project influence on our social network in a very cool and unexpected way. When personal happiness, obesity, and exercise habits are at stake, so to speak, perhaps we should take a pause before we hit follow or like or subscribe on every friend from high school or from the neighborhood that crosses into our feed. Now, I'm not trying to (laughs) suck all the joy out of social media, It does a good enough job sucking the joy out of itself, but I also don't want to imply that we should have a no-couch-potato policy or a must-exercise-religiously rule in place on our Facebook friends, but perhaps we should be a little more mindful as we scroll through our feed and of how the behavior of our network is affecting us, our moods, and our habits. Conversely, if we think of ourselves as being a social media influencer— we may want to rethink how or how much of our exercise data that we're sharing. If we truly want to motivate and be motivated in return, then maybe we want to concentrate more on challenging our buddies to compete and influencing our friends to self-motivate, which might mean that we steer away from taking those post-run selfies where you're sort of bent over a little bit at the waist or posing in the bathroom mirror at the gym, making duck face and all of that kind of stuff, and focus on some really motivating and interesting aspects of our fitness life rather than the, I don't know, banal aesthetic part of it. But anyway, the final tip that I can glean from this study is that perhaps we can actually use our social media feed as a force for good. Perhaps we can even use it as a motivator on those days when we just can't seem to get our mojo up or our gumption up to do our workout of the day. And I can't really believe I'm recommending this because I am someone who has left Twitter at least three times and barely touches his Facebook account, but perhaps simply sitting down and scrolling through your feed will get you pointed in the right direction on those days when you're not quite feeling it. And by the right direction, I mean the direction toward going for a walk or hitting the gym or doing some yoga. Just, please, 
make sure you set a time limit on how long you allow yourself to scroll so you don't accidentally turn your 45-minute upper body workout into a hasty 8-minute Tabata set because, well, you got too carried away on your phone. Now, finally, even if we don't do anything actionable right now about our own use of social media and our fitness trackers, This study does show how effective monitoring these networks can be in helping scientists design many types of interventions to limit social ills and even enhance social benefits. The author's studies even concluded, and I'll end with a quote, The granularity and precision with which fitness tracking devices record real-world health behaviors portends a sea change in our understanding of human behavior and social influence at scale. Compared with prior studies, which relied on imprecise or frequently inaccurate self-reports, the potential for these kinds of data to extend our understanding of social behavior in real-world settings is difficult to overstate. So maybe there is some good that comes from social media after all. That last part wasn't a quote from the scientist. That was, uh, that was just me. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening to Second Wind Fitness. My name is Brock Armstrong. Now, get out there and move more of your body more often in more and more interesting ways.